100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards. Good morning. This is Sumner County Spotlight. Good morning, I'm Jeff Shannon, and welcome in to Sumner County Spotlight, of course, sponsored by our friends at FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, right here in Hendersonville, and at myfnmbank.com. You know, these times have gotten everybody in a different state, and I think mental health is so important. So I thought it'd be great uh, to bring in Clark Flat with the Jason Foundation, and he's going to talk to us, and I think it's going to be a real eye-opener for us this morning. So let me introduce you, uh, Clark Flat with the Jason Foundation. And Clark, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name's Clark Flat. I'm president of the Jason Foundation. Uh, we're very proud that Hendersonville, Tennessee is our corporate home. Um, the Jason Foundation is a, is a nonprofit that addresses what we call the silent epidemic of youth suicide. Uh, in our nation and specifically here in our state of Tennessee. Um, the Jason Foundation, as far as a little history of how we started, uh, this is not what I set out to do. Uh, on July the 16th in, in 1997, I lost my youngest son, Jason, who was age 16 at the time, uh, to suicide. Jason was your, your all-American kid, and I guess I need to define that. There's different definitions for all-American kid. He was your B.C. student, more like his good old dad, a solid B.C. student, was very active in his church, uh, uh, very much into athletics, uh, in school friends. There was no drug or alcohol issues. He would be what you would look, at least in my opinion, of the all-American 16-year-old. Had uh, a, a brother, uh, a middle-income family, things going great in his life as far as everyone knew. Yet on July the 16th, 1997, uh, he made a choice to, uh, to uh, take his life. Uh, that was devastating, to say the least. Uh, if you lose a young person or a child, if you're a parent, uh, to any cause, uh, it, it is devastating. It's just pr it's the worst thing that I can think of that could happen to a family is to, to lose a, well, one of the members, uh, any way, form, or fashion, but especially a child. It was after I lost Jason and on July the 16th that I had some friends kept encouraging me to, uh, to find out what happened to him. And at that point, the only thing I could say was, Gee, he, he took his life. He took his life. I, we don't understand why, but he took his life. It was uh, one particular friend uh, who stayed after me in the weeks after losing Jason, and, and uh, he, he kept asking me, did I understand what I did? Did I understand what happened to Jason? And I thought he was talking about the procedure, what went on, and you know the series of events that led up to it, which were vague. But uh, I, I thought that's what he was leaning toward. But he was talking more about this issue of suicide. It wasn't until about three or four weeks afterwards that, that I realized what he was trying to, uh, to get me to think about. I have to say, as a parent, like most of your listeners, I would think, who are parents, uh, we had went to every PTO, every PTA meeting, uh, every meeting at the church, uh, any type of community meeting that was offered about how to protect and take care of our, our young people, our, our sons, our daughters. Uh, you know, what are some of the issues you need to protect them from? You know, we talked about drugs and we talked about alcohol. 
uh, even a form of bullying way back then was, was one of the courses I remember us sitting in. So it's not something new. The way we do bullying today is new, but the issue itself is not. Uh, I had gone to all these things uh, to, uh, to help make sure we could do the best we could for our two sons, to give them the best chance in life, to protect them from things that might be a, a harm to them. Yet, and Jason's 16 years, and his older brother, who was at 19 at that time, no one had ever offered a, a seminar about suicide. Despite the fact now here in 1997, suicide was actually the third leading cause of death for young people ages 15 to 24. So despite this impact that it was having on young people and, and families across our nation, no one had ever offered a seminar about the dangers of youth suicide, let alone how to recognize warning signs or how to, uh, to do what you do if you should see those warning signs. Not that I didn't go to one. No one was ever offered. And so after losing Jason, uh, his family, our family, and some, some very close friends, decided that we wouldn't let Jason's tragedy just become another silent statistic in what we call this silent epidemic of youth suicide. So we, we got together and started the Jason Foundation literally over a kitchen table in an insurance office uh, where we would get our volunteers together or some young people who are helping us run off literature and punch holes in, in Xerox paper and, and putting these programs and, and information packets together. And we just started hoping that someday that we could impact Tennessee, that we could share. And our, our primary goal then was parents. We were looking at rotary clubs, churches, any place we could go talk to parents, not to scare them, but to simply inform them that, did you know here in Tennessee, suicide was the third most likely thing to take your son or daughter's life. And it, and it is not only a leading cause of death, but a leading cause of preventable death. And prevention becomes comes through learning about the awareness on it and learning about warning signs and how to respond to those. So we started on October the 1st, uh, 1997, that we started officially uh, incorporated the Jason Foundation. Still, though, uh, it was not to be what it is today. Uh, we saw it as a part-time effort where we would do all volunteers and we would train people to go out and do the programs and help raise the awareness and help provide information tools and resources, especially at that point to adults, on how to recognize and respond to a, a young person who might be struggling with, with thoughts of suicide. Uh, that was on October the 1st, 1997. Today, that, um, I'm proud to say that, that uh, the Jason Foundation has grown considerably. It was really because of our efforts. I think it was the opportunity that was there to grow. Opportunity there, the need was there, uh, Jeff, to uh, to uh, provide this information, as few there's still way too few people doing this today. But back in 1997, it was only one or two national organizations, and they were small compared to what some nonprofits are, and most nonprofits are today mm -hmm. that work on a national basis. But we kept plugging along, and uh, and I'll bring us up to where we are, then we can talk about some statistics today. Uh, that was on October 1st, and the following March, we had a team board. And they were all members of, of Hendersonville High School and uh, Beach High School. We, uh, they came to me about a national spokesperson. Now, this is funny, a national spokesperson for an organization that was part-time and really nobody outside of Middle Tennessee knew about us. But I, I said, sure, let's, let's do that. Uh, it was their idea to get Coach Philip Fulmer involved as a national spokesperson. When I look back, I have to say that was the most decisive, pivotal point 
and the Jasons Foundation future. When Coach Fulmer came on board, he literally changed the, the, the perception of the Jason Foundation and, and the opportunities and possibilities we had. He started calling other coaches. He called Mark Rick. He called Nick Saban. He called four or five coaches and told them what we were doing and asked them to help. And all at once, this Middle Tennessee uh, young upstart organization started showing up and growing in these other states. And as they say, the, the, the rest is history there. That, that one encounter with Coach Fulmer, and I would say Coach Fulmer is still our national spokesperson today. He's been our only national spokesperson. It started in, uh, in, in April of uh, 1998, and he still serves and works with us uh, monthly. On, on how to expand and, and how we can meet the mission of the Jason Foundation. Today we have uh, well over 100 college coaches uh, across the, the nation that work with us as ambassadors uh, because of Coach Fulmer, and those coaches are instrumental in opening doors within their states and, and even in the nation uh, and to provide our programs and to provide our, our uh, resources to folks across the country. So we, uh, we're proud that uh, we remained in Hendersonville. We started, like I said, on that kitchen table, which we still have here in our corporate office. Once this COVID-19 is over and we can have visitors come in, we, we proudly show that, that uh, kitchen table that we used to gather around several chairs and punch holes, as I said, in the Xerox copy so we could duplicate them and get them out. And, uh, but today we've grown. Uh, our corporate office is in, in Hendersonville. Uh, we're on, on volunteer drive. That's important for us because our, our corporate office, we're now the largest youth, young adult suicide prevention program in the nation. And it, and it all started here with the Sumner County folks doing uh, dinners, doing cakewalks, doing whatever they could to help us get up and started. And we have uh, uh, over 150 offices now. We're just signing another contract to add another 23. Uh, we'll be up in the 170 plus offices by January of 2021 across the nation. Uh, and uh, that puts us the largest by far effort uh, in suicide awareness and prevention for youth and young adults. And we're very proud of that. We're proud of it because not of what we've done at the Jason Foundation itself, but all the volunteers, all the people that work with us, especially the folks in Sumner County who still today uh, uh, support us very passionately. And, uh, it's something we're very proud of. So we're proud to call Hendersonville, Sumner County our home. Uh, we're proud of the work that collaboratively we're doing. Uh, we're doing some great stuff in the state of Tennessee, which we can talk about in a minute, uh, some some programs that are not going on anywhere else in the nation. So uh, we're, we're proud of, of making this our home, and, and I'll just, uh, that's sort of the background of who I am and, and about the Jason Foundation, how we started and where we are today. But I, uh, it might be the next thing you'd like to talk about is what are some of the current statistics. Well, absolutely. And one of the things while you were speaking, you don't go into this with a, with a handbook. I guess the question I would say is, what have you learned over the course of these many years about suicide and some of the warning signs that maybe you, if you look back on it, maybe you miss those? Oh, oh certainly. Uh, uh, Jeff, uh, you, you look back, and, and, and I don't dwell on it. I have people tell me, well, Clark, don't blame yourself. I don't blame them. I'm very objective about this. If, if we have what we call a parent seminar, uh, and there's some other, we're not the only ones. There's, there's, there's several, uh, two, uh, especially now five, six national organizations. There's some really good Tennessee organizations that work in suicide awareness and prevention too. But uh, using ours as an example, we have a parent seminar where we do, we talk about the awareness. And again, our programs are not to scare anybody. It's simply to provide 
just like they do with the drugs and alcohol problems. We provide the information. Like I said, do you realize that the second most, now today in our nation, the second most likely thing to take a young person's life is suicide. How many parents, how many teachers, how many people who work with youth realize that the second most likely thing to take a young person's life is suicide? I doubt very, very few of those would do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let me get back to that. The, the parent seminar talks about statistics. It, then it talks about, as you said, providing, here's some of the warning signs. Uh, we'd rather call them signs of concern. Warning signs is if you see this, you're definitely looking forward to this happening. Uh, I wish it was that cutting and dry, but it's more like here's some signs of concern. If you see this or if you see these in combination, you need to either you need to ask more questions. You need to be more observant. You need to be uh, ready to act uh, should you deem that there's an issue there. Uh, and then we talk about where you can find those resources, where you can look in your community to find help if you feel like your son or daughter or one of your students or one of your kids at your Sunday school might be having issues. Where are resources you can turn to? If I had gone to a, a seminar such as that, you know, I said earlier how I'd went to every. PTO and PTA about drugs, alcohol, bullying. Uh, uh, if if someone had given a seminar about that, I truly believe if I had gone to that seminar, Jason would more than likely be alive today. And and that's something that really drives me in my personal uh, drive with the Jason Foundation, knowing that it could have made not that we have some secret information, not that we have a a secret way of addressing this. It's simply if somebody would have provided me the information, and especially the information about the signs of concern, I would have probably more likely been able to put things together that we saw uh, going on, but we didn't connect them. And surely, since I didn't know anything about suicide, but was something that happened to kids that looked like nothing like Jason looked like in my mind, that that wasn't, didn't even come up as a threat. So if you're not aware of a danger, Jeff, if you're not aware of a situation that can, can infiltrate and touch your family, if you're not aware of one, you're certainly not looking for the warning signs, uh, especially for your own family. And, and I, that's one of the most dangerous parts of suicide prevention. People not, it's always thinking it's someone else. It will not touch my family. Uh, the number one young person we're losing in the nation today, Jeff, number one young person is the better than average student, usually a, a, a leader in their in their class, uh, very athletic possibly, or on the on the debate team, uh, it, one that everybody would look at and say that person has everything in the world ahead of them to live for. Uh, that's the number one person that we're losing in our nation today uh, to suicide on a on a basis on a regular basis. Uh, as we said, suicide today in our nation is the second leading cause of death. Here in Tennessee, we've been working hard with some, some organizations, not just the Jason Foundation. Uh, the problem of youth suicide is way too large for any one organization. Uh, but by working together with some really other great organizations here in Tennessee, the Tennessee Department of Mental Health uh, and Substance Abuse is a great partner. By working with them, we're now got suicide in Tennessee as the third leading cause of death. Now, that's not something to be proud of and jump up and down and get excited and say, we've, we've beat it. Uh, but when the rest of the nation, for the most part, is the second leading cause of death, uh, we've re- at least raised that guide to being the third leading cause of death here in Tennessee. we still got to do better than that. Uh, that's still way too high. We, we're, we're doing a good job, and a lot of people are working hard for that. 
one of my concerns, and we can talk about it in a minute, though, is the COVID-19, how, how that impacts. Uh, we've been working with the Jason Foundation with Governor Lee and some of his top people with the Tennessee Department of uh, Mental Health and Tennessee Department of Education. We've been working with them. I really have some fears about how the COVID-19 is going to impact mental health in our youth and young adults, uh, and specifically how it will affect the possible suicidal ideation. You know, this information is is kind of staggering, I guess, but, uh, you know, we, we, we could probably talk for hours about this, but we're going to go into our first break right here. We're talking with Clark Flat. He's the president of the Jason Foundation, and we're talking about suicide. It's one of the, the topics that most people don't want to talk about, but we're going to talk more with Clark right after these words from FNM Bank. We'll be right back. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And welcome back to Sumter County Spotlight, right here with Jeff Shannon on this uh, Sunday morning. Uh, glad to have you along here. And we're we're talking uh, Clark Flat with the Jason Foundation about a kind of a sensitive topic. But Clark, I want to talk about. I've heard about the Youth Risk Behavioral Survey. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, Jeff, uh, that's an important tool uh, that we use at the Jason Foundation. Uh, the Youth Risk Behavioral Survey is done by the Center for Disease Control (CDC). Uh, it's done every two years. The last one was done, in, uh, or at least the last one that's reported is 2019. Uh, it's done in uh, 43 states. And we're proud Tennessee is one of those those 43. The importance of it, it gives you some insight. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you're talking statistics, and we share these national statistics, yeah, uh, it's it's awfully, uh, I guess, uh, easy for someone to hear those say, well, that's that's nationally. That's that's not our, our kids here in Tennessee. That's those kids up in that other state or these, you know, it's easy to discount it as not ours. This, the Youth Risk Behavioral Survey, first of all, gives you an insight into your own state and the young people. This is grades 9 through 12, but it would apply for, in our opinion, 7 through 12 very easily. The, uh, it has four questions that talks about suicide, and I'd like to share those very quickly mm-hmm. with you. It could take a long time just talking yeah, about each right. one of these. The first question is, have you experienced a feeling of hopelessness or sadness for a constant period of two weeks or greater, so it affected your usual activity? That's a long question, but really it's a question about depression. Not only depression, but uh, could be considered the definition of beginning of clinical depression. That thing that gets into a person's life that you're just not having a bad day, it's something that many times takes professional help to get out of. When that question was asked to Tennessee youth, 37.5% 37.5% of our young people, that's over one out of every three, said that they had felt that way, not in their lifetime, but in the past 12 months. Why that's important is that uh, depression and clinical depression are, are, uh, is the leading cause of suicidal ideation, no matter what age group you're at. Uh, it wasn't that many years ago that we were below 30%. And so you can see how this is coming up. And, and with that, at that high of a number, uh, nationally, it's 36.7%. Uh, it shows that we're we're seeing this creep back into Tennessee, as I said earlier, where I'm afraid we might lose that, that good ranking of third where we're showing improvement. I'm hoping that we don't see that go down and uh, increase in, in ranking. The second question, Jeff, is have you seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months? Think about this. In Tennessee, 19.2% of our young people said yes. Again, not in their lifetime, but in the past 12 months. That's almost one out of every five young people said they had come to a point in their life in the past 12 months 
that they seriously considered suicide. When you when you're thinking and your listeners are are, are on having this program, let them think about when they look around to a group of young people. One out of every five of those young people, on an average, seriously considered taking his or her own life in the past 12 months. Mm-hmm. Of course, the third question is: Have you made a plan to attempt suicide in the past 12 months? 15.4 percent, or over one out of every seven, said answered yes. Why this is important? Some people say, "Well, a young person that's considered it or seriously considered, do they really not understand what serious considered is?" First of all, I would say, if, if they're considering it, we should take it serious, no matter what we think. Mm-hmm. This is an important one on a clinical speaking uh, as far as making a plan. Once you've made a plan, you've gone from a time of concern to a time of crisis in a young person's life because if something doesn't intercede, if something doesn't stop that process, a suicide attempt is almost certain to happen. So this making of a plan is a very, very important question. Of course, the last question, have you attempted suicide in the past 12 months? Jeff, here in Tennessee, 10.6% of our kids answered yes. Uh, that's almost w- one out of every nine young people mm, said that in the past 12 wow. months they had attempted suicide. Now, I realize, too, this was in 2019. This was pre-COVID-19 impact on our young people. So that's we can talk about that in a minute, but that's very important to go up to that number. Nationally, it was 8.9%. So we can see how, how we're comparing to that, even if 89 is not acceptable. But 10.6 is a, is a concern. So we're... we're uh, uh, averaging that's an average uh, of about 84 attempts per day in the state of Tennessee so wow. you can see not only is this a national public health issue it's certainly one here for uh, uh, the people in and families in Tennessee wow it's it, it is kind of eye-opening uh, for sure now I know you have uh, different programs tell us about the the b1 program the program is a very uh, positive peer support type of program. It, it, it is not an in-depth. It's really made for young people. We've had, uh, like the state of, of New Mexico, uh, they provided it a couple of years ago to every middle and high school uh, student in the state. Mm. Uh, they did a, a statewide effort on this. The B1 program, we do it with the Rascal Flats, and we're proud of that. We've been doing it with them for about seven years now. It's, uh, it's a program that says uh, a friend can make all the difference. Not only a friend, but an informed friend. B1. This program comes in and talks about being aware, being prepared, being able to act. So it's a, a short uh, computer-based program, but what the, the purpose of it is, that after a young person goes through that, they're, they're more able to be one to recognize when a friend might be struggling with thoughts of suicide, to take those struggles seriously, and then how to have a plan in their head. All of, and I may, I'm glad you brought this, all of our programs, we don't try to make counselors out of young people. We don't try to make counselors out of teachers. Uh, we, we want to provide them information, tools, and resources to help understand, identify someone who's struggling, or respond to someone who might come to them uh, expressing their struggling with thoughts of suicide, mm-hmm. and then know, have a protocol on where I can go in my community to get help. And, and many times professional help to, to help that young person. The B1 program is, is just a, it's, it's targeted for young people. Uh, you can find out more about it and on our website. It's just the B1 program. Actually, you can go through there. It's actually materials in it, too, that if someone's listening, we have churches do this for their youth groups, uh, schools that do it. Uh, it's, it's all the information you need to do the B1 program located on our website. And so I would mm-hmm. encourage people to do that. I really feel like young people are our best chance for recognizing another young person who is struggling and what to do. Sure. 
the second group is our educators, and I'll be glad to talk more to you about yeah. the, uh, what we're doing with educators. Sure. Well, I noticed you have many, you have different programs, not only just for the students, but you're covering parents. Uh, I think it's very important. You know, we're we're focusing and 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 teaching the educators, the youth workers, coaches, because they're around these kids, and they're probably if if they notice some of these signs, they're probably the front line right there that can make uh, people aware and and really help out that student. Yeah, I think uh, Jeff, I think. Our, our number one, our number one program nationally uh, is providing in-service professional development for teachers. I've, I've I've gone across the country speaking in front of legislators in, in many many states, saying the single most thing a state can do to help address the issue of youth young adult suicide is train your teachers. Not to, again, not to be counselors. We don't want to turn them. We don't want to set them up to be a counselor, but. Yeah. Train them to be able to better able to recognize and know how to respond within their school's protocol. A young person who might be struggling. If your school doesn't have a protocol, then we'll help you build one. That's our. We train almost two hundred thousand uh, educators a year nationally. Here in Tennessee, mm-hmm. we're proud to. We usually average about fifty-eight to sixty-two thousand Tennessee educators that we train on an annual basis on how to better recognize and respond. So I really believe that is one of the. It's not the only thing you need to do but certainly uh, one of the most primary things. Because as you said earlier, our teachers are in a, in a great position to see a young person that might be showing signs of there's something bothering them. They're mm-hmm. not getting their work. The work's not as good as it used to be. They're, they're separating from other friends. All kinds of things where a teacher can observe and respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we're missing so much with this COVID-19 uh, yeah. With the kids not and doing the virtual, uh, we've been involved with several studies on the virtual part. I'm not going to get into the educational part, whether that's good or not. But they're not getting the, the social uh, support from this uh, that they would have got in school. So mm-hmm. uh, that's another concern for us. Sure. If you have the uh, a lot of this great information, and, and I guess when, when educators or administrators, school boards and such, uh, seem like th- this would be a great resource for them to, to tap into when they're making their decisions on, well, do we go back full-time, do we go part-time? Uh, have you had any interaction with any school boards? Yes, we've uh, had them across uh, quite a bit. I'll have to say uh, hats off to our Tennessee Department of Education and our Tennessee Department of Mental Health Substance Abuse. Uh, Governor Lee, we've met just a couple of, well, about a month and a half ago with him and one of his top advisors, specifically about this issue, Jeff, what's mm-hmm. going on here. What are we looking at with the COVID-19? You, you look at this, one of the things, we've taken away that, that support system of that in school. You know, the most, I have to tell you, we've been in this for 23 years. Most of the time where a student, a young person is identified in needing uh, mental or emotional help is through their school system. Mm-hmm. They are being identified. They are being saying this person, or they're, they're self-identifying. Uh, you take that away. Uh, and we've lost, we've lost one of our, our, our greatest monitoring devices on that one uh, to young people. Uh, and then you, you put on top of it what, what, how we're responding. And I'm, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not getting into that. But the social distancing, the pulling a young person away from their social uh, uh, stability that they found in school, uh, the sports, as you talked about, all at once kids have been preparing their whole uh, young life for, for playing in their football or basketball or cheerleading or, uh, you know, and all at once this is not happening or it's happening, then it's not happening. Uh, this disruption and stuff is really a dangerous time for affecting the mental health of our young people and, and young adults. Sure. 
and we might have touched on this, but can we hear a little bit more about the mission of the Jason Foundation and how you work in the communities? I, I know we talked with the, the schools and such, but uh, maybe you can elaborate further. Our mission is simply we don't do counseling. We're, we're an educational organization. Uh, we try to provide the information, tools, and resources mm-hmm. to the three main groups that impact uh, this silent epidemic of youth, young adult suicide. We provide programs for the students, young people themselves. Again, not making them counselors, but helping them uh, learn more about how to, to possibly recognize a friend who might be struggling and how to help that friend. Uh, we provide, like I said, our number one program are, is, is uh, in-service professional development, not only for educators, but for people who work mm-hmm. with youth. Boys and Girls Clubs, uh, anything, any person, our church, church youth ministers, things like this, uh, to, to provide training for them to be better able to recognize and respond. And the last group would be our parents slash community. That's something that's really come into play through COVID. And no longer can we just depend on our schools to be the monitor. We have to uh, we have to enlarge that safety net to include other people who might come in contact with that young person that's not just school related. So mm-hmm. our pastors. Uh, the, like I said, youth organizations, uh, coaches, things like that. So our mission is to provide those people with the tools and information they need to better be able to recognize and know how to assist a young person. Sure. I would say that we're very, very proud. Since 1997, uh, we have never charged anybody that we've contracted to provide services with. Uh, like the state of Tennessee, we contract to provide the in-service training for any teacher in the state of Tennessee uh, that, that wants that training. And we provide uh, uh, over an average of 60,000 Tennessee educators every year. And we never charge the state. We never charge tennis, uh, the educators or the schools uh, for those individual trainings. So yeah. uh, we, we, are not, we are not looking about, hey, you can have this program for three easy payments. If we agree to provide the program to you, no matter what program, whether it's one for our young people, uh, your, your educators, youth workers, or communities, uh, we do it at no charge. Sure. Well, I think as a 501c3, uh, you would accept donations, would you not? Flesh, blood, and uh, COVID <laughs> has done a lot of things. It's, yes. uh, uh, it's impacted. Uh, we had to uh, to cancel that, uh, this year uh, our largest fundraiser, which is the Philip Fulmer Charlie Daniels Golf Tournament, and, and we're so char- we lost Charlie this year. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, that's our number one fundraiser, and we put we do it in May, and we postponed it. We postponed it two other times, and finally it came to the point where we had to uh, uh, just cancel it altogether. And that was a that was a big financial blow to us, along with two other major fundraisers yes. that we had to cancel or was canceled that we worked with other people on because of the COVID. So right now, the the individual donors, uh, the businesses, we just did a. a program for the uh, Rotary up here and uh, Morning Rotary in Hendersonville. And from that, we had a couple of phone calls of businesses said, hey, we didn't realize what you were doing. Mm-hmm. We want to help. And so, uh, I, you know, we're still getting that, even here, uh, that local support. So, uh, you know, every donation is important. Uh, we are proud that uh, we just finished uh, our independent audit early summer. Uh, and that we had a four less than four percent administrative cost. Nice. So that means okay. over ninety six cents every dollar we get goes to programs, and we're yeah. we're very proud about yeah. that. You know, there's just so many uh, things that we can talk about with this, and I think it's such a great thing that you all are are doing here. We're, we're talking with Clark Flat of the Jason Foundation, and. Uh, 
Clark, tell everyone how we're getting ready to wrap it up here. So tell everybody how they can reach you and how they can help. Sure. Well, we're on uh, in Hendersonville. We're at uh, uh, 18 Volunteer Drive next to the Humane Shelter. We always tell people, come uh, once we get where we can have visitors again, come visit us and you can leave with a dog or a cat. <laughs> <laughs> we always yeah. like, like and we got good neighbors next yes. door. They do a great job. Uh, but really, as far as our mission, and, and I would ask your listeners, and we tried to cover a lot in 30 minutes here. Go to our, our, our website. It's just simply uh, Jason Foundation, all one word, jasonfoundation.com. You can find out more about the issue of youth, young adult suicide. You can learn about statistics. Uh, you can see the programs that are available. Uh, many of them are downloadable straight from our website. Uh, and there's a spot to contact us. If you want more information, all you have to do is fill that out, send it in, and we respond the same day. So uh, I would encourage people. Uh, this was very informative. We appreciate WHIN doing this and letting us educate our, our folks here. Uh, but I do encourage them to go to our website to, to learn more. We, we, we touched the surface today, but that's important that they can get a little deeper by going to the website. Well, and Clark, we want to thank you so very much for, for helping us with this. And uh, I know we heard you at the, the Hendersonville Chamber of Commerce when you were speaking there, and it was uh, that's what enlightened me to to pursue this. And I think it's it's information that people need to have, and you need to go to the jasonfoundation.com. It's an incredible uh, resource for you it has all the information on there but uh, just be sure to do that and so we're going to take our break right now uh, sponsored by fnm bank 221 indian lake boulevard this is jeff shannon and we'll be right back fnm bank presents sumner county spotlights since 1906 fnm bank has been serving middle tennessee with first class products and services visit them today at 221 indian lake boulevard in hendersonville or myfmbank.com well good morning this is jeff shannon and this is Sumner County Spotlight, sponsored by our good friends at FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, right here in Hendersonville, and at myfnmbank.com. We're heard each and every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here at WHIN, and the broadcast will also be heard on our podcast page on the website at whinradio.com. Just click the podcast tab, and you'll see all of the podcast. This morning, we want to welcome in a good friend of ours, Rebecca Mae Lawless, and she's got some great things to talk about. Tell us about yourself. Good morning, Jeff. First of all, thank you very much for having me this morning. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate your time. Um, yes, my name is Rebecca May Lawless. I have been in the Nashville area for uh, not quite 10 years. I can't believe it's gone that fast. Mm-hmm. Holy mackerel. Um, most of my life has been uh, living in New Hampshire. Uh, I was born in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. There's a lot of people that don't know where that is, and I'm not sure I do either because I was only four (laughs) when we left, but um, I think it's over near the Philadelphia area for people that are tuning in that are from Pennsylvania. I'm sure you know where that is. So um, I have been in several states in my life. My dad was a contractor, and so we kind of went where the work was. So we uh, lived a little while in Alabama, uh, Colorado, for a while in Missouri, Um, I have lived in North Carolina, uh, spent some time in Florida. Um, Let's see, where have I been? I have just been, I've been everywhere, man. Where where in Florida did you live? (laughs) Um, I actually, it was last year, I say I lived there. I was there for two months uh, opening for the Orange Blossom Opry. Awesome. Um, Great, great organization. It is, yeah, yeah, it's a cool thing. Um, I was there, I took my RV, so I I had my home away from home, so it was nice. 
um, spent about two months opening for Jimmy Fortune and Highway 101 and Shaw Na Na. Wow, I think they're, they're still from, around. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that there was only one original guy, if I remember correctly, and he said something. I just have to share this because it's funny because I'm not really very shy. And while I was down there when Shaw Na Na came in, the the guy, the original guy, Bowser. I think so. He actually wrote Grease. Oh yeah, okay. Yes, that's that's his claim to fame, which was super cool to hear from, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, the mm-hmm. horse's mouth. And um, during the course of our just kind of visiting, talking, yak, 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 he said, boy, I sure could use a dancer tonight for one of the songs that we're going to do. And I said, I'll dance. I said, I can't dance very well, but I said, I'll dance. <laughs> you have video He's, of that? It's Yeah, it's okay. on my Facebook. <laughs> and, and he said, okay. And so um, through the course of the show, he calls me up onto the stage, and he said to me before the show went on, he said, I'm going to talk quietly in your ear about what I'm going to expect from you from the next move. And so that was how it went, and no one out in the crowd knew what was going on. But it was so fun, and I had to do a twirl, and I had to hand myself off to the lead singer, and it was just <laughs> It was funny. I'm surprised I didn't fall on my face. <laughs> so I've that was fun. Um, I've had some really cool experiences. Um, I'm a horse lover. I've had four horses in my life, going back to a little bit more of the personal stuff. Let's see. Uh, I have been in the corporate world for many years of my life, about 20 years as a secretary or administrative assistant, whichever you prefer. And um, so that was um, a lot of my life. And then I moved here almost 10 years ago to do more music. Mm-hmm. Well, good and place to do it. That's exactly yeah. right. And I actually had um, a former band member one night when we were practicing in the basement for a year. We hadn't gotten a job yet because we were still practicing, something that Nashville does not do. You know, we get together and you give them a chart and off you go. go. And um, so I re- I'll never forget the one guy saying, well, you know, we're doing the best we can. It's not like we're, any of us are ever going to go to Nashville. And I'll never forget that statement. And I'm thinking, how do you know that? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, so that was funny. Um, I, had, um, I started out performing by doing karaoke contests. And I had taken voice lessons in my late teens, early 20s. And from one of the best opera singers in the world, he had been all over the world himself with the opera, uh, Carnegie Hall, Vienna, Austria, you know, just some really cool places. And he wanted me to be an opera singer, not that. And uh, he said, he said, but I think I can still, he said, I can still, you know, train you how to do, you know, sustain and, and breathe properly and things like that. So you don't ruin your voice. And I was like, that's what I need. And so as we went along, he, he said, uh, he said, well, can I interest you in the opera? And, you know, I'm training you classically. And I said, so I wait don't. Did you, did you say Opry? Opera. <laughs> <laughs> Opry, I got. I <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to do opera. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to do country and gospel. He said, well, I've never trained a country and a gospel person. He said, but I think the technique is probably all the same, which it is, you know, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And um, as time went on, I uh, got into karaoke contests, which led to performing for the state of New Hampshire, competing for the state of New Hampshire in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee for North America representing New Hampshire. And then in 2010, I had lost my drummer and my lead guitarist for my band in New Hampshire. I'm kind of jumping all over, but I'm kind of giving you an idea of who, where I am. And um, I had to hurry up and find other musicians to fill the job three days from now. I had other 
jobs booked mm. and I had no drummer and no lead guitarist and that that was a little nerve-wracking but we got it done the drummer that came and filled in his name is Johnny Bubar he's from Massachusetts uh, he had written a song that was a duet and so after the show was over he said man you can sing and he said I have a duet and I'm going to Nashville to record it and I need a girl singer and he said, do you want to do it with me? And I went, yes, when do I leave? And so that was 2010. And we did it right here in Hendersonville. I came all the way down from New Hampshire, did it right here in Hendersonville with Jerry Webb at the project room. Mm -hmm. That was when I started getting the Nashville bug. And I was like, there's more to it than the weekend warrior thing in New Hampshire. Because in New Hampshire, you're a big fish in a little pond. Mm -hmm. Here, you're a minnow yes. in, a la in an ocean. Yeah. But that didn't deter me. So I was like, well, I think I'm just going to go ahead and move. I didn't have a job. I didn't have an apartment. I just came here. I had a little bit of a savings because I had thought in the back of my mind while I was working my day job, I'm going to save just in case I want to do something more with my music. So I was able to get down here. I lived in a hotel for three days, got an apartment, moved into that. And five months into being here, I went back to work as a secretary again in Gallatin. Worked there for four years, got laid off. Four years later, uh, they said I didn't have enough to do, which, okay, that's all right. And I and I said, well, I didn't really move here. I had a moment of a hiccup, and I went, wait, I didn't move here to do this anyway, so what are we going to do for the music thing? And by then, Jack and I were married. Mm -hmm. I said to him, I said, well, now what am I going to do? And he said, well, if you, work the, if you work the phones and emails like you did at your job, we'll probably be busy, because he had been out on the road most of his life as a musician. And um, he knew kind of how it worked in the background, cause, but he had never been his own agent. He'd always had an agent. So he knew that there was something to the phone and the emails. So I jumped right on and jumped right in and started cold calling and stuff like that. And there so that was, that's kind of brings us almost up to here. Yeah. And you, you spoke uh, opera. You know David Phelps? I do not. <clears throat> David Phelps, most incredible vocalist that I've heard in the entire world. Wow. Worked with the Gaither Group. Okay. And then he was the tenor. And this guy can hit high C's and above. Oh, my word. I mean, it, it, you got to listen to him. He's just amazing. And he look right here in Tennessee, right in Middle Tennessee. They got a place down. They have a, a studio down there, and they do videos and musical and Christmas specials and things like that. But wow. He, he is just awesome. Get a chance. At it. You, you've got his pull that up on YouTube and, and watch. It's It really is amazing. I'll have to do that. Musically, you're just, you write as well. I, um, I have two songs that I've written that Tim Atwood, I'm sure yes. there's a lot of people yeah. out there that know who Tim Atwood um, he and his wife, Roxanne, which have, they've been wonderful friends, they have those in their possession at some point. We're going to try to get together and try to tweak them because they're my first two songs. Mm -hmm. So I don't want them coming out sounding like they're from kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of people think writing is it could be so easy. It's just like writing a poem or something, but that's not really the case. I don't think so. You know, it's interesting that you say that because when Jack and I were trying, we actually went together to our songwriter, Tom Payton, who we have three of his originals. Jack and I did three of his originals while Jack was still here. And um, we went over one day and spent, I don't know, three or four hours with Tom Payton. The technique, I picked up on the technique easier than Jack did. And I remember that because of being in the corporate world. And I'm pretty good with grammar and 
and spelling and things like that. So I kind of got the concept easier than Jack because Jack wanted to write a whole paragraph and then go into the chorus. And Tom was like, no, we need three to four sentences and then go into the chorus. And then Well, in country more. music, the grammar goes out the window anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make I, up your own. <laughs> I found that out when I did that first duet with that guy from Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. If she was my girl, that's not how it, sa- that's not how it says. But anyway, you can hear that song out on my Reverb Nation too, Rebecca May. Um, and it's called If She Was My Girl. That was my very first experience in nashville recordings so. wow do you have a youtube channel i do have a youtube channel that's where all my shows go to that we'll Good. get to here um yeah. they go to there and then they get picked up by another okay network yes so have you done videos uh, like music videos uh, i have to, one to a point i have one music video that was shot on um from my first CD back in 2012, I think it was done in 2013, this video, and it's called Nobody Said, and you can find that on uh, YouTube, and it's really quite good. The guy that did it didn't have any fancy equipment. He had one little 35-millimeter camera, an old mic stand, and duct tape. <laughs> so anything is possible if you have a creative mind, and sure. he had an incredibly cre- uh, creative mind. Unfortunately, he's no longer around here. I don't know where mm-hmm. he is. He did an incredible job. Uh, there's one scene, a couple scenes in the video where you see trees and stuff flying by in the background, real muted. And what he was doing in real life, he was he had his camera and he was running in a circle, and then and then <laughs> yeah. he pieced everything together so that it yeah. looked like it was. I mean, it was brilliant. Post production, you do great things in post production. Yeah. yeah. So your music project is coming out before Christmas here, well, or after? Or what? It's supposed to. Um, for those of you interested, um, it should hopefully be out. I'm hoping it's going to be out in the next week. I spoke to the producer the other day, and he was trying to add, I think, a couple little pieces of guitar and some drums on one of the songs. And uh, we were hoping to have it digitally ready for December first. Okay. But we've been trying to, you know, piece a few more things in and that sort of thing. So it's so a little they, tricky. How would they find it? Uh, they will be able to find it on, uh, they should be able to find it on iTunes. I'm not sure we're going to go Amazon route yet. Just hit me up uh, probably on my Facebook at Rebecca May Lawless and send me a message and ask where that is. And, and it's, as soon as I know where it's going to be out online, right. I'll let people know. Well, social media, I mean, it's really kind of taken over all the Facebook page and everything, taken over websites. Yes. The All the social media are your basic website. Right. It's just trying to keep up with all those different sites <laughs> and keeping the information updated. Exactly. You know, it's, it, it gets complicated. Yes. Um, so are you... Are you, are, are you performing any place right now um i have my own show that we're gonna i think you and i are gonna chat about here in just a little while i am singing out when somebody asks me to you know with all the um the crazy that we're in this year that we're all in this together however i live by myself so i don't know who all this together is thing that they're saying (laughs) is but anyway um so i i did a a segment for opening for Ronnie McDowell. Um, I think it was about two weeks ago. It was about two Ronnie weeks ago. Ronnie is so nice. He is. He's really nice. And we did that at the Donahoe Hotel in um, Red Boiling Springs, and that was fun. So, you know, things like that that come along, I just, I, I try to get in on a few things. It's just, you know, hardly anybody's hiring right, right. now. It was funny because I ran into Ronnie at a local establishment here, and we, we got to talking. And I said, you know, when The King is Gone came out, this first song is after, you know, Elvis back in the late 70s. I said, in East Tennessee, I was playing that song like crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing. I think people were amazed that that wasn't Elvis because he, he did it so well. Wow. And his, his, his voice is 
awesome anyway, but what a nice guy. Yeah, he is. You know? And yeah, you never know who you're going to run into around here <laughs> in Hendersonville. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like you said, Jimmy Fortune. I mean, he's just down the road. Right. And what a great vocalist he is. And, and such a nice guy. And what, yeah, that's, I think that's the even better part is he's super cool mm-hmm. and he's just so kind. I, I really enjoyed opening for him at the Opry in Florida. And how he can sing so high. I know. Just, still. How do you do that? I know. <laughs> His song, Elizabeth. Oh, my oh, word. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a great song. It really is. Let's go into our first break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about a passion and a mission that you're on. And we're going to find out more about that right after this word. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon, and we're here today on this uh, beautiful Sunday. Hope it's beautiful every time you listen to it. But anyway, we're talking with our special guest, Rebecca May Lawless. And Rebecca, you have a mission that you're on that I think you're very passionate about, and it has to do with veterans. So fill us in. Yes. Thank you very much for having me again today. I appreciate it a whole bunch for this little bit of an opportunity. Uh, I started this show. It's weird how this show started because it was, you know, for lack of anything to do because of all the uh, COVID fun that we're in. And I started just doing it with my phone and I started doing like little five or, you know, 10 minute somethings just to say hi to my people out there. And I've, I've been learning to play the guitar this year and I would maybe try to play a piece of it on the guitar. And and then as, as I got braver, I was like, well, this is kind of fun. I should have a couple people over to my house and, you know, just kind of keep my chops up here and maybe they can teach me some guitar. And so that's kind of how it all started. And it was just with my phone. And then all of a sudden, I realized that there's more to this. I need to be doing something besides playing, just horsing around. And I started thinking, oh, Jack and I have always loved the veterans. I've, I'm a veteran's kid. I'm a veteran's sister. So what better person to do something? Sure. And so this is what uh, spurred this new project of mine. And I'm really grateful to the Lord for giving me the opportunity and the thought because um, I have all the sound equipment. I have the perfect room in my house that is almost acoustically perfect and... It didn't have any furniture other than some cat furniture because I like my cat and she had her scratch and post. And that was all that was in there. And I was like, I have all this sound equipment. Why not put it to use in that room? So um, it was a challenge getting the rat case in the front door because I was by myself. (laughs) And I'm sure the neighbors were all like, what in the world? Because it was at the height of COVID and no one was going to come help me. And so I ended up having to get ramps out behind the shed and get the rat case in anyway i got it done and uh, built it all together and then started to still using my phone or my ipad started to do a little bit with um i think tim atwood was yeah tim atwood was the very first person i had and he was just on my little phone it was okay but it was very elementary and i was just like if we want people to tune in it needs to be top notch it can't just be elementary and so that's what's gone on to now I have a cameraman. Um, I have, you know, the set every every week is is nice and neat and clean and, and try to keep it non-cluttered and things like that. But the show is for the military and the veterans every week. We have people like, well, organizations like American Legions, VFWs, Communiserve, Guitars for Veterans, etc., um, tuning in right at the same time my show is live they're live on their pages which is super awesome that mm-hmm. Facebook lets you do that and I've loved I've enjoyed that part of it even more than the show because I get to get to know people on a personal level at these organizations and I'm grateful for that I'm grateful for the idea 
and the opportunity and the people that have come on to the show, you know, the people, the artists coming in, donating and contributing their time. Yeah. It's very, very cool. It's yeah. very sweet. Well, I think the musical industry loves to give, especially with causes like this. Yeah. And, and they're, they're first to step up, you know, just like the right. the Christmas tree lighting for Holiday Fest this, this uh, just passed. Right. And Craig Campbell's out there, you know, Chris Golden and the other folks. It's just amazing that, you know, can step up and help to support an organization. That's right. Uh, but your show, you're, so you're, are you filming these or it, it airs Thursday evenings at 730? Yes. Okay. It's on, it's live on Facebook over at facebook.com forward slash lawless and may. So just spell that all out, lawless, mm-hmm. like against the law, and May, M-A-E, like May West. And you can tune in every Thursday, 7.30, and it's just for a short half hour. And then on Friday, if you miss the Thursday show, it's an organization, actually a network in South Carolina, picks the show up off YouTube, and they push it globally so that if there are other military and people across the world, they can hopefully find it's like 109 that. countries. Something You're, like that. Wow. I think that's what that says yes, there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And then keeping it country, the radio station, I think they're right here in Nashville, I think, somewhere around here. They are doing the radio broadcast mm-hmm. on Monday nights. Wow. Okay. Good. And so now I'm here with you, Pester and you. That's it. Well, we're, we're glad you're doing that. <laughs> Thank uh, you. The idea, I guess, is really to help su- support veterans. Yes. Um, and you have guests, or is it just all music? Yes. Um, it is to support the veterans. They're, the suicide rate is already high, but then you throw in COVID, and it's escalated significantly this year. Uh, so the show, the heart of the show is to give them something to look forward to. Lift them up for just a short half hour, but not wear them out with, you know, hours and two hours of shows. And we have a different guest every week, a different musician. And so it's just a short half hour. We talk a little bit. We do five or six or seven songs, depending on, you know, where the time is. And so it's just a good time. I actually have a veteran in Topeka, Kansas that tunes in. She never misses a show. And I love that. Wow. So. That's great. It's safe to assume you're not going to be singing opera. Uh, it's on my to-do list in my life. I would like to actually do one opera in my life. I would. <laughs> well, good for you. I don't know if we could do that. But some of the guests you've had on. Uh, yes. how, so when did the first show start? The first show, the first real show, besides goofing around with my big toe in the water, mm-hmm. um, I think was June. I okay. think it was June. Right. So it's so not been few, around. You got a few under your belt here. A little bit, yeah. So I think, who have some of the guests you've had on? Yes. I've had Tim Atwood. I think we've had him three times, which has been If you can just fun. only learn to play piano, I don't know. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that, Tim? He can, he can, he I, can put some keys down. I though. know it. And he's actually on my new project oh, coming good. out. Yeah. So yeah. Th- so that's fun. So we've had him. We've had uh, Miss Joanne Cash uh, Yates. And then we've had Ronnie Stoneman from Hee Haw. And we've had Corey Zink, who drove three hours one way for a half-hour show from Dollywood. He's a Dollywood performer. And he was awesome. He brought uh, two other gentlemen with him, and they were really fun. And then they drove three hours back that same night because he had to wow. work the next day at Dollywood. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's neat how people are um, helping this, this project because it's for the veterans mm-hmm. and the military because we're all trying to stay afloat here, but we're all – we're not all in the same – we're not all under PTSD like the veterans, yeah. you know, already are. Right. And then we throw in COVID on top of that. So, 
Now, do you have any uh, specialists that you're working with? Uh, you know, you were talking about veteran suicide, which is a, a pretty heavy topic yes. and a very important project to have. But uh, do you have maybe some insight from professionals in this area? I do not. I mean, the, the I mean, we're working with organizations like American Legions. Irreverent Warriors is a big uh, one that they try mm-hmm. to create projects or activities to alleviate the thinking that way. And um, I know uh, CommuniServe is another one that works with veterans who are in need. Um, so as far as like a professional person, like a psychiatrist or something like that, no, oh, I am yeah. not involved with somebody like that. I would That would be cool, though. But I'll tell you, music is healing. It right? is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Guitars for Veterans. What, yes. What, what, is, what are they about? They are. That is a cool organization. I I. I like the guy, I shouldn't say I love the guy. I like the guy that started this organization. I talked to him one day on the phone for a long time and they started it on zero dollars because he had an idea mm-hmm. that if we offer lessons to the veterans and then they graduate and they get a guitar at the end of their graduation, then you know it kind of keeps them in contact with their, their peers mm-hmm. and they can talk each other off of a ledge or they can encourage each other or whatever. And it's just so cool because they offer 10 guitar lessons to every veteran that's interested. It doesn't matter if you play. It doesn't even matter if you play at the end of the 10 lessons. If you just want to sit and hold the guitar during your lesson or when um, after the 10 lessons are over, you can attend as many lessons as you want for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. in a group setting. And you don't even have to play. Just sit there and hold your guitar just so you're with your people. Therapy. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then... At the end of the 10 lessons, they get a brand new guitar, a chord, and a stand for their guitar so that they can either play or not, Yes, you know? And I think that's just awesome. I just love it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, on my guitars, I, I've got two of them, and I finally got them off those stands that go on the floor, and yeah. I put the hooks on the wall. <laughs> there you go. And they look good on I the know. wall. You know, it decorates the walls. Yeah, that's yeah. neat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is, run down the format, so if somebody were to tune in, the format would go as follows. Yes. The format, the layout of the show is we, we start at 7.30 as quick as we can. Sometimes there's a little bit of a technical glitch, as we all know. Sure. But Technology. generally, it's 7.30 sharp. Uh, it's an intro to the show. It's our sponsors, our uh, broadcast. And then uh, I start with a salute and a thank you to our veterans and a patriotic tune. And then I sing usually a country tune. Then I invite the guest that is the guest of the week to do um, it's usually three songs because the half hour goes so fast and then we talk a little merchandise where people can hopefully see them live at some point when mm-hmm. we all can do that again and then we um, close the show out with a gospel tune so that's pretty much the layout of the show after you really get into this and you can start tracking your views and you know how many likes and followers and subscriptions right because you know, uh, YouTube is becoming so big it is and it's amazing how you never know when people are, are tuning in. Right. So your following's gonna to continue to grow, I guess, as it, it starts spreading around right. and people get to know, you know, what this is, is all about. Right. And then of course that Friday night streaming from that network yeah, helps too sure. because people start remembering that, oh, that's right. And Thursday I think she said she was over there. So, you know, but everything and then keeping it country. So it's pretty cool how it's all working out. Yeah, pretty soon you might have to get the office staff to answer there all the... There you go. That's the, the plan. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> but I, I just think it's amazing. But you, you also can find the show on, on Roku through the network. Is 
I don't know if it's Roku on there yet. However, okay. that is the plan at some point. Yeah. Um, my producer that's helping me with my new music project is planning on helping me get a Roku channel for yeah. this Good. going okay. at some point in the future. I mean, there's just so many things. There is. Uh, it's it's amazing, you know, but it's a lot of work, though. It is a lot I of mean, work. Just, like, like we said before, keeping up with social media is almost a full-time job. Yeah, it is. You know, you hit your Facebooks and Twitters and right. Instagrams and so on and so forth. It's uh, it's pretty daunting it as is. far as that goes. You almost have to assign somebody. But, you know, you get these kids. Right. I mean, I think they're born with chips in their brain. I mean, this, <laughs> oh, I got this off. They can code and right. do all of this. How do you do that? But it, they're out there, I guess. So. Yes. Could I just share that one little piece about the animals? App? Oh, yes. I totally forgot about that. Okay. We got to get real, that in there. Real quick. Um, I just wanted to let folks know that we are working on this. It's not in place yet, but a um, new portion of the show, which will probably be about a 30 second segment. Um, for every show, there'll be a pet of the week. We're going to be, we're working on working with animal control right here locally. Um, I'd like to be able to do that with every animal control place across the world, mm. but I know that's not possible. Um, not yet. So we're, we're working on that segment so that there will be a pet of the week and hopefully a veteran and a pet can come together or anybody because sure. animal control animals are the low, are the lowest adoptable animals on the, on the planet, I believe. So animal so, control, they usually find strays and they just pick, pick up stray animals. Yeah. Or, and, you know. yeah, or um, people have, given them up because they can't care for them yeah. so it's, and they they're pretty much for you know might as well just say it, it they're on death row yeah in animal control it's not as long of a process before they are on death row as like the humane society and i i know there's some humane societies that are no kill yeah and i like those kind and there's one up in gallatin that's called safe place for animals and that's a no-kill shelter but i didn't want to go there because i already know they're okay mm -hmm. it's animal control that needs the people coming and getting them is the animal control is the county or cities it think it's is the county, the county yeah. yes because sumner county is the one i'm gonna be working okay with. Mm -hmm. good yeah well yeah. you got a lot of area to cover yeah <laughs> <laughs> you have a pet of the week we're going to that's what we're working towards and you're going to have video uh, you said that you're going to be putting up yes we're i think the easiest way because i was thinking that the animal an animal control was ready to do it we were just trying to figure out how to keep the animal comfortable bringing the animal directly to the studio space, um, but I think just because of the shortness of the show and the stress yeah. on the animal, I think probably our easiest bet is going to be to video clip an animal each each week, and it'll be a different um, sure. video dropped into the half hour. Driving down a little creek road back here in, in Hendersonville uh, one day, and my, my daughter looks over and says, look at that kitty. We looked Aww. over to the right, and by the creek, there was this little tiny uh, tabby little kitty, and it was a baby. Oh baby all by itself yeah. in the grass it was just it was like how did that happen yeah and so she ran out and got it and we searched around and tried to find maybe somebody it got away or something but how did it get across the creek yeah somebody couldn't have just dropped it like that but you know we could have called you know animal control but we tried to search around in fact i went to william lee golden's house and because he they like animals and says no not mine and we went to a couple of people they didn't know so we put it out on facebook yeah and we got somebody that oh, cool. you know, took it in. Right. And he's nice and safe now. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes, I have homed um, 18, 18 strays that have been dumped. Um, I live with ballparks around me, so it's easy. Oh. It's an easy dumping ground. Sure. And, of course, you know, I can't not feed the animals. So. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we're getting close to the end right here, uh, Rebecca. We're, we're speaking with Re- Rebecca May Lawless. And go ahead and tell everybody how they can get in touch with you yes. and your information. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Lawless and May. And that's M-A-E. And you can email me at mainactrmartin at gmail.com. Find us somewhere along the way. Um, and I would be uh, happy to help you with merchandise. I have a whole line of awesome, wholesome jams and uh, maybe tell you a little bit more about this show. I would love to share it with you. Listen, we appreciate you doing this. And it's it's so important. Music is so important to everybody. Yes. We all have to have music in our lives. And uh, so we appreciate you coming in here. And that's going to wrap up this edition of Sumner County Spotlight right here at WHIN. I'm Jeff Shannon. Join us next Sunday, 10 a.m. right here. And of course, our show sponsored by FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard right here in Hendersonville and at myfnmbank.com. We'll see you next week. So long. Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.